Speak to us now, O Lord, we pray. Speak to our souls today. For this is why we've come, dear Lord. We're ready for your word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Heaven and earth will pass, but God, your word will forever last. Lord, we are ready for your word. Father, we pray now that you'll bless, that your word will go forth in clarity and might. Find us where we are and help us move to where we need to be. So that we would be more than just hearers of your word, but help us to be doers of your word. And that as your word goes forth, it would help us to find the truth that we need so that we can fulfill our potential in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. His first appearance was in the 1887 novel, A Study in Scarlet. Uh, his crime solving skills have so transcended time that all forms of media have embraced his person and personality. Print, radio, television, movies have all chronicled his crime-solving exploits. His name, Sherlock Holmes. Uh, so much has been built around this character, Sherlock Holmes, uh, that there are those who have believed that he was actually a real person. That's not the real Sherlock Holmes. That's actually actor Basil Rathbone, who was one of the most famous actors who played the crime-solving detective. There were two ideologies that guided Sherlock Holmes in his case-solving exploits. One was the science of deduction, that when you gather facts, when you gather information, you are able to deduce from those facts what actually happened. Uh, the second ideology is that of the practice of ratiocination. Now, ratiocination is a term that you're probably not familiar with, but ratiocination is the process of exact thinking. And the tool that Sherlock Holmes used more than any other tool to get to that crime-solving truth was the tool of deduction, observation, watching, looking. Sherlock Holmes would observe and see things that the casual person would miss. He would see a speck of dust on the floor or, or, or see a, a, a lint or a, a hair on a shoulder and, and would be able to deduce from that observation facts that most people would miss. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, okay, Pastor, I hear you, but why are we talking so much about Sherlock Holmes today? We're talking about Sherlock Holmes because Sherlock Holmes was a detective who didn't miss anything. He noticed everything. And for somebody today, I've got good news for you. Because while Sherlock Holmes is a fictional character, we serve a God who sees everything. We serve a God who notices everything. And when you are in your place, when you think you are suffering in silence and you're going through excruciating pain 
uh, in isolation, I want you to know that God sees you. In our text today, we have a woman as our central character, a woman who is not lauded or lifted up as one of the triune patriarchs of the Hebrew people, Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob. Uh, not a whole lot is mentioned about her, but in her life, God uses her to teach us a valuable lesson about who he is. Today, for a few moments, I want to talk to you from the thought, El Rohi, the God who sees. El Rohi, the God who sees. If you have your outlines, would you say amen? amen? If you need an outline, raise your hand and the ushers will get one to you. There are three things I want us to see. I think we'll get through the first two and we'll save the last one for next week. As we talk about the God who sees everything and misses nothing. And somebody may say, how does God see everything and miss nothing? It's because God is not limited to human eyesight, but functions at a realm of divine insight. So even when we are trying and are successful in hiding our issues and our pains from other people, God still sees. Here's the first thing I want you to see. Number one, you need to realize God knows where you are and what you're going through. You need to realize God knows where you are and what you are going through. Verse 7 of Genesis 16, the Bible says, The angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road to Shur. Now, in order to understand the context of verse 7, you've got to look at verses 1 through 6. Uh, the Bible says that God made a promise to Abram and Sarai that they would be the father and mother of many nations. And the Bible says at that point they were old. They were 75 years old. There was still hope springing eternal. But the promise of God that was made was taking too long to be fulfilled in their life, at least from their perspective. And so Sarai gets to verse 1 of Genesis 16 and basically says God is taking too long. Let me just throw this in parenthetically. Don't ever rush God in the fulfillment of a promise for your life. See, the problem with Sarai was because God was taking too long, she came up with some ungodly steps to try to achieve a God-given goal. She took things into her own hands. Have you ever gotten to a place where you were trying to help God out? And in trying to help God out, you took some shortcuts that felt good to your flesh, but they were in opposition to your faith. So here is Sarai. And she says to Abram, Abram, I, I think God has another way. Uh, I came up with this idea. I don't know if you agree with it or not, but here's what I came up with. I've got this young handmade from Egypt, this young slave girl by the name of Hagar. And I'm thinking that she's going to be the surrogate for my child. 
I, I know this is going to be hard for you, but I want you to go in and lay with her, and then we'll have a child through her that will be our child of promise because there's no way now after 10 years, there's no way that God is going to make this thing happen for us. And you can imagine how hard that was for Abram. You, you can imagine when his wife told him to go in and sleep with this young handmaid and have a child with her. I mean, I, I'm sure the conversation went something like, sweetheart, are you sure? I don't, I don't think that's a good idea. I, 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 I don't know. I'm struggling with that. Maybe we should pray about that, you know. I, I'm sure he didn't want to. Come on, brothers. Y'all help me out in here. Y'all Y'all like y'all looking real quiet out there, boy. I mean, brothers looking at me like you out there by yourself, Pastor. I ain't saying nothing. <laughs> Sitting next to my wife. Mm, yeah, go on out there. The Bible says Abram sleeps with Hagar and she gets pregnant. But something happens. First instance of baby mama drama in the Bible. No, no, it's right there in the text, y'all. The, the Bible says Hagar gets pregnant and then she treats Sarai with contempt. She starts the despising her. Listen, if they were girls in, in elementary school, it might sound something like this. Nah, 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 I'm pregnant and you're not. How would it sound if grown women were saying it? About the same way, right? We may change the verbiage, but it'd be about the same way. And so the text says, Sarai, in response to Hagar's mistreatment of her starts making it hard on her. And the text says, Hagar decides to leave. Now, we don't know the context within a leaving. We don't know how she left. We don't know if she left because she was just so big down and she was like crying and weeping. Or she just left saying, you know what? I ain't got to put up with this. I'm pregnant. You not. I got this baby. I'm leaving. Y'all, Find another way to have a baby. We don't know what she said, but we know she left. And look at what the text says. Verse 7, the angel of the Lord found Hagar. Circle that word found. Found Hagar. Hagar, there's no evidence that she left looking for God, but God found her. God found her at her place of hurt and pain when she had been abandoned and she abandoned. And the Bible says, the angel of the Lord said to her, Hagar, Sarah's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? She says, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah. Ooh, stop right there. Watch this. She doesn't speak to where she's going. She just speaks to where she's leaving. Let me put a cord in the meter and park there because somebody needs to get this. Sometimes you want to get out of a place so bad, you focus on where you're leaving and have no idea where you're going. The Bible says this woman was on her way away from, but didn't know, had no idea where she was going. The text says God found her. He came to her. 
And then watch what the text says. Verse 11. And the angel also said, you are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears, for the Lord has heard your cry of distress. Watch this. God found her. Circle the word or the phrase God hears and God heard. Now, this was before gender reveal parties, right? God said, let me tell you who you're giving birth to. And this birth is a testimony that God has heard you, that God hears you. God hears you. When nobody else may hear you, God hears you. And I got a word for somebody today. I don't care where you are. I don't care what you're going through. You may be here by accident. I want you to know it is a God incident. God has brought you here today to let you know he hears you. God spoke to her. God spoke to her situation, spoke directly to her circumstance. God said, I'm going to take what may be a painful experience and turn it into a testimony. You know, it's amazing because so many times we want testimonies, but we don't want the test that precedes the testimony. We want to talk about how we made it over, but we don't want to go over. We can celebrate how God brought me through, but we don't want to talk about what we had to go through. And let's be perfectly honest, growth is painful. And when I talk about growth, I'm talking about emotional growth. I'm talking about spiritual growth. I'm talking about mental growth. It can be painful. I'm not talking about an abusive relationship. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about domestic violence. I'm talking about your own personal growth. Becoming the person that got your personal development. And most of us, if we're honest, on the other side of growth, while we are excited about the progress, the cost, sometimes we deem not worth the value. Maybe I'm just talking to myself. Is there anybody in here who has gone through something and you can see you are better on the other side of what you have gone through? But if you had a choice, knowing what you know now, if God had given you a choice before you went through, you might have said, eh, I'm okay, I'm good. I'm going to stay right here, God. I'm good. Just me and you. We good. Especially when you've been praying, Lord, I want to walk closer to you. Oh, Lord, I want the patience of Job. Oh, Lord, I want the faith of Abraham. And God says, oh, that's what you want. (laughs) Well, come on over here. Let me give you some of the trials of Abraham so you can get his faith. Let me give you some of Job's pain and you can wait in your pain so you can develop the patience of Job, right? Because most of the character traits we want are not delivered, they must be developed. He found her, he heard her, and he saw her. Look at what the text says, verse 
13. Thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. That, that word for see is more than just uh, abstract vision. It's, it's more than just a, a casual glance. It, it means literally to focus on, to look beyond the surface. It, 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 Hagar says, God, you see me. Uh, have, have, you ever, have you ever walked around feeling like people don't get you all the time? People don't understand you, right? They, they look at an action, but they don't look beyond the action to see your heart. They, 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 they just don't get you. And, and man, what a great joy when you have somebody in your life, a friend or a family member who gets you, who sees you for who you really are. Hagar says, God, you, you see me. You are the God who sees and you see me. The omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient God of the world. Hagar says, you see me. And that's good news for somebody in here today. That God sees you. You need to know and rest in the fact that God is watching over you. And even when others are not on their job, God is on his job. And when those who should be watching you, those who should be seeing you, those who should have you, when they are delinquent in their duties, thank God that God still sees you. Uh, somebody missed a shout right there. You, you ought to thank God that God sees you. Here's the second thing. Here's the second thing. Not only do you need to realize God knows where you are and what you're going through. Number two, you need to realize God is strong enough to bless you anywhere. God is strong enough to bless you anywhere. Now, God says something to Hagar that some of us may struggle with. But, but please don't look at this through the lens of your own personal pain. Because I'm not trying to suggest that God wants you to go back into a dangerous situation. But I am suggesting that God just may want to teach you something in an uncomfortable situation. Watch what he says. Uh, Angel of the Lord found Hagar, verse 7, beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road to Shur. Angel of the Lord comes to Hagar, Sarah's servant, says, where have you come from? Where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress. Angel of the Lord says to her, verse 9, return to your mistress. Circle the word return. And submit to her authority. Circle the word submit. Then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. Now, now, now watch this, watch this. The text says that Sarai was hard on Hagar. But Sarai was hard on Hagar because Hagar treated her with contempt. Listen, look at somebody and tell them, sometimes you did it. Yeah. It's amazing how we get amnesia to what we do that causes folk to act the way they do. 
Yeah, I don't know why. She, no, because you were messy. That's why. I don't know why she angry at me because you said some stuff you shouldn't have said. You should have kept your mouth shut. You should have stayed out of folks' business. Come on, somebody go with me in here. Sometimes we bring about the stuff on us that we hate the most. And so listen to what God says. Listen to the context. Listen to the context. She says something she shouldn't have said. She treated her sister in a way she shouldn't have treated her. And God says, return, go back, about face. You trying to get away when you need to go back to face your own growth. He said, go back and submit. Now, now please don't leave here. Nobody leave here foolishly trying to apply the word of God to a dangerous and abusive situation. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you say something and you are the cause of your pain, abuse is not something you blame the victim for. Are you hearing me in here? I'm talking about those uncomfortable situations that we don't have the courage to face, so we rather run instead of face the consequences of our own behavior. She, she, said, she said, go back, about face, go back. What, what you running from? Go, go back, go back. You started this, go back. Return to your mistress and submit. Depress yourself. Humble yourself. You walking around and you see this pregnancy as something that elevated you when it should have humbled you. How many times do we get beside ourselves? I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the person next to you. We, we get beside ourselves and God has to check us to remind us that we're not all of that and a bag of chips. This was an opportunity for growth. And God says it, it might be painful to you emotionally, mentally. You might have to eat some crow. You might have to face some stuff, but you got to go back. Uh, so in college, I, I had one particular embarrassing moment. Um, it was a moment that you know, if I go back, I would do things differently. Uh, well, I had more than one, but I'm just <laughs> I'm thinking, about, thinking about one in particular right now. I don't know why you're laughing. You got at least one, too. Thank God we didn't have no Internet or Google back then. You know what I mean? So you can't find it. I'm just telling you now. I've already tried. You can't find it. And it was one of those situations where it's like, man, ooh, if I could just get away right now, right? And, and I left school, and uh, I mean, everything was cool. Everything was good. 
went back, got my degree, graduated. But let me show you the sense of humor God has. I went to New York, passed it in Long Island, left there, came back to Pennsylvania, Chester, Pennsylvania, finished my degree. While I'm finishing my degree, my pastor of my church that I attended when I was in college said, hey, I've got a church on the east side of town that is looking for a pastor, and I think you'd be great there. I didn't know nothing about the east side of town. Like, cool, no problem. I go back and get called to the church on the east side of town, and who's sitting in the congregation but some of the people who knew my embarrassing moment in college. Now, my preference would have been not to have to go back and relive any of that. And, God be the glory, they never brought anything up. Um, matter of fact, one of them, their favorite verse was, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I acted like a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. Pastor, we sure happy to see you a man of God. Like, hallelujah! Listen to me. My growth was uncomfortable, but my growth was beneficial. Right? I used to suffer from growing pains. I remember going to the doctor, and I would have these tremendous pains in my knees and tremendous pain in my back, and they would give me medicine, and they couldn't find any cause for it. And finally, the doctor just said, hey, he's growing. He's growing. And I don't know of a whole lot of people who wouldn't want to add a couple of more inches, but do you want the pain associated with the growth? Right? We see the glory, we don't know the story. Bishop T.D. Jakes talked about somebody walking up to him at a conference and, and rubbing up against him, said, I want some of that anointing to rub off on me. He said, no, no, no. You see the anointing, but you don't see the agony. You don't see the pain. You don't see what I had to go through to get where I am now. Then watch the second thing God told her. He said, I'm going to give you more descendants than you can count. Uh, that word forgive in the King James is translated multiply. I'm going to increase. I'm going to give you exceedingly, abundantly. I'm going to add to you. He, here's what the angel of the Lord told her. Go back to the house that had been appointed and designated to be blessed by God. Even though it was a place of your previous discomfort and the place of your pain, it will be the place of your growth. And just like I'm going to bless others out of that house, I'm going to bless you out of that house. Let me help somebody today. Don't ever put limitations on where God can bless you. God can bless you in some of the most unlikely places. You're praying, asking God to get you out. God is saying, I'm trying to get something out of you. There's a lesson I want you to learn. Every time you go through something, my brothers and sisters, ask yourself three questions. What is God trying to teach you about other people? What is God trying to teach you about yourself? 
and what is God trying to teach you about him? We easily want to look at other folk. When we get to that second step, that's where it gets challenging. What is God trying to teach me about me? See, we can see the toothpick in somebody else's eye, but we can't see that California redwood in our own eye. And then ultimately, God, what are you trying to teach me about you? He can bless you at the place you thought you had to run away from. Now, don't do like uh, some of our younger people. I was, I was talking to, to a younger person. By, by the way, so tonight I'm, I'm doing on Real World Real Talk a show on millennials in the workplace. And it kind of evolved out of millennials in the workplace, the millennials in home and, and everywhere, right? Uh, but, but one... <laughs> So one of the millennials, I love this, said that, uh, you know, they were having problems finding a job. They said, why? He said, because I'm looking for a job that makes me happy. I said, oh, my God. Like, that's so wonderful. Where do you get that idea from? Like, that's why they call it a job, a J-O-B. Right? Like, who went to find a job to be happy? We went to get a job to pay bills, to buy diapers, put food on the table, keep a roof over your head, your car running. Happiness was, like, not even on the radar. But but here's what I told the person. I said, looking for a job that makes you happy is part of the luxury that's provided by people who went to a job to pay bills. You may complain about how hard your mom and daddy work, but when you broke, that's who you call. Your auntie, that's who you call. Same ones that went to work not to be happy. They went to work to pay some bills. And now you have a luxury provided by their sacrifice. Here's what I need you to know. You don't have to run away from a place, people, a predicament, or pain for God to bless you. And I'm not saying you run to it. Here's what I am saying. Go where God tells you to go. Go where God tells you to go. Because there's no limitations that can be placed on God unless you put them there yourself. I'm going to close with this, and we'll finish this next week. Jesus went to a village. Same Jesus. Same power. But he left, and no miracles could be performed. And they asked the master, how come? He said, because of their unbelief. Wasn't the lack of his power. It was their unbelief that kept God from doing what God could do in their lives. And my brothers and sisters, don't ever, ever get to the place in your life when you don't do something and you try to blame God and God says, it wasn't me. You thought you were waiting on me. 
I've been waiting on you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. I pray now, God, that your word has gone forth in clarity and might, that somebody has heard from you, and in hearing from you, would make the move that they need to make in order to experience the fulfillment of their potential in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.